0: Esther chapter number 10 tonight, Esther chapter number 10, we come to the conclusion of this book and the end of the story, and uh, it's an interesting book of the Bible, an amazing story, I love the story, I love more than the story, I love the truths that we see about our God and his faithfulness and sovereignty, and uh, I love it. An interesting fact about the book of Esther, the name of God's never mentioned in the book of Esther. But that doesn't mean it is devoid of God. If you've looked at it with us for very long, you know God's all over this book. And it's interesting that the book named after the lady Esther in the last chapter, three big verses. She's not mentioned and we end the book of Esther with the spotlight shining on the man Mordecai. The Bible says in Esther chapter number 10, verse number 1, and the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea and all the acts of his power and of his might and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai whereunto the king advanced him are they not written in the book of the Chronicles the kings of Media and Persia. For Mordecai the Jew was next unto king Ahasuerus "...and great among the Jews, and accepted to the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed." Tonight's message is titled this, The Greatness of Mordecai. The Greatness of Mordecai. And I want to introduce it by just taking time to look at these first couple verses. And our message primarily comes from the third verse. The first verse, the Bible says, "...the king, Asuerus, laid a tribute upon the land, upon the isles of the sea." Now, it's an interesting thought and something that we see here that God wants us to know in his word that King Ahasuerus, uh, as a result of putting a Jew, one of God's people, in second, second in command, does not back up in his nation. You see, Haman had promised that if King Ahasuerus, if you'll put me in control, even if we exterminate the Jews and money gets a little tight, I'll help you out. I'll contribute to the treasury. If you'll put me in control, then we'll have power and blessing. The bottom line is, when righteous people are in places of authority, God blesses. God's principles work. And King Ahasuerus having uh, Mordecai second in command now in his nation, which reminds us a little bit of Joseph and Pharaoh, right? When Joseph was in control and Joseph was leading, God bless the nation of Egypt. And we see here that because Mordecai is a, at a place of authority, King Ahasuerus, his lands and his influence and his power is expanding. Verse number 2, the Bible says all the acts of his power. Now verse number 2 is a little paragraph that stands alone. And it's going to tell us about the things that are recorded In the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia. Now don't be mistaken because this is not the chronicles in your Bible. There's first and second chronicles in your Bible. These are the chronicles of Media and Persia. And to answer my question and yours too perhaps. Can we find the chronicles of Media and Persia today? We cannot. Can't find them. But wouldn't it be awesome to read them someday? There's archaeologists working every day, and perhaps one day they'll find us, the chronicles of Media and Persia, and I'll be excited to hear what they say. I'm sure I won't be able to read them because I'm sure they're not in the king's English. But, at any rate, so the second verse is going to tell us some things that are written and recorded for us in verse 2. The Bible says, All the acts of his power, whose power? Uh, Ahasuerus' power, and of his might, Ahasuerus' might, and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai. So the Bible says, written in the Chronicles of Media and Persia, are these things: the greatness of Ahazuerus, the the power of his might, and the greatness of Mordecai are written. In the Chronicles, the Bible says, where the king advanced him. The Bible lets us know what uh, King Ahasuerus did with Mordecai, advanced him. They're written in the book of the Chronicles, the kings of Media and Persia. And then God, in his inspired word, gives us one last verse to the book of Esther. He says, I want to remind you of what a great man really looks like. I want to remind you of what greatness in god 's eyes really is. the Bible says in verse three Mordecai the Jew was next under the king under King Ahasuerus and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed let 's talk tonight about the greatness of Mordecai you don 't have to uh, be terribly alert and awake to see what the world imagines to be greatness. I've been watching quite a bit of NBA basketball here in the last couple of weeks, and it's fun to a certain extent, but I'll just tell you, some of these guys who think they're so great make me want to gag and vomit. How many of you are with me? I mean... There are folks who think because they've become so good at running up and down a basketball court and throwing a little ball through a hoop that for some reason, and they've got lots of money and big houses and influence, for some reason that makes them great, great, great. And they don't have to be humble anymore. They don't have to be respectful anymore. They don't have to follow the rules anymore. Now, I'll just tell you, There are lots of people who ascribe to that as some form of greatness. And it's not just in professional sports or college sports or whatever. But in all of life, there's a lot of people who think if they've become successful at something, that they can be exempt from rules of integrity and decency. And I'll just have you know something. God does not consider unrighteousness greatness. God does not consider wealth greatness. God does not consider... Power, greatness. As a matter of fact, when we come to this passage of Scripture, I think it's very important. I think it's something that needs to be paid attention to. I'm confident that God and His Word, as we look at the last verse of the book of Esther, God is contrasting a great person, a great man, the greatness of Mordecai to a couple other guys in this story who really weren't so great after all. Ahasuerus, for instance. Now, compared to Haman, Ahasuerus was a saint. I've got to tell you my joke again. You may have heard it, but uh, I just was reminded of it. It's worth telling again. So there was this very wealthy man. And he went to the preacher after his brother died, and he said, Preacher, if you will tell the church over my brother's body that he was a great man. He was a saint. He said, I'll give you $100,000. The preacher thought about it for a minute and he thought, He said, You got yourself a deal. Funeral comes and the preacher stands up and preaches a message, and I'm just going to tell you something. He lets the guy in the casket have it. I mean, he tells every bad thing. He says, this guy is a low-down, good-for-nothing scoundrel. But I want you to know something. Compared to his brother, he is a great saint. (laughs) And so when we look at Mordecai, And we look at Ahasuerus, we look at Haman, compared to Haman, Ahasuerus is a saint. But the truth is, Ahasuerus, in God's eyes, and by the way, whose opinion matters more than God's? Let's not forget that. In God's eyes, Ahasuerus is not a great man. As a matter of fact, when we meet up with Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus is making foolish decisions right out of the gate. Ahasuerus is using and abusing people. Ahasuerus is hosting large drunken parties and making decisions that make no sense, that are actually lewd and crude and not appropriate. At a moment when his wife literally makes the right decision, says, Listen, husband, I'm not doing that. Selfishly and foolishly and without uh, an interest in forgiveness and patience and humility. Ahasuerus excommunicates Vashti altogether. Ahasuerus does foolish things like he puts his confidence in Haman, a man who has no character at all. He's motivated by the things of the world. And and I just want you to know something. God does not call Ahasuerus great. And when we come to Mordecai, we look at a great person. A man that God says, now this is greatness. God's comparing him also to Haman. What was Haman? Haman was motivated by wealth. Haman was motivated by vengeance. The plot of the whole story revolves around Haman because he's so angry at Mordecai that he is willing to lie, cheat, steal, and exterminate an entire race of people in 127 provinces, millions of people, in order to get revenge on one head. And God wants us to know something. It doesn't matter how wealthy Haman was. It doesn't matter how prominent he was in the king's house. It doesn't matter how much authority he had. God does not consider a man like Haman great. matter of fact, he is the exact opposite of great. I pray we can teach our children what greatness really is and what greatness really isn't. You see, it's a sad thing. When honest people wake up from their pursuit of greatness realizing they've been pursuing something that the devil, like a piece of cheese on a string, has been dangling in front of us like little mice causing us to chase it. But the end is empty. Greatness. God is letting us know, Ahasuerus is not great in my eyes. Haman is not great in my eyes. Let me tell you a little bit about greatness. Now, Mordecai has his flaws. I'm not presenting him as some savior. But I am telling you what God wants us to know about Mordecai that Mordecai was a great man. Mordecai was somebody that God wanted to use before we get to our text. For the night, I want to show you some things that the Bible mentions to us and highlights about Mordecai throughout the book of Esther. If you'll take your Bible and turn back with me to chapter number 2. We do not meet Mordecai until chapter number 2. And then the Bible introduces us to Mordecai. The Bible says in verse number 5, Now in Shushan of chapter number 2, Now in Shushan the palace there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity. The Bible said. now listen, I want to remind you something about Mordecai. He was a slave in this land. He'd been carried away under, in captivity. And the Bible says he'd been carried away with Je- Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Verse number 7. And he brought up Hadesa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. And so we we meet up with Mordecai, and God wants us to know about Mordecai. Mordecai was a guy that had a rough upbringing, a difficult situation coming along, and Mordecai was also the kind of guy who was willing to take a little orphan girl for his own daughter. As a matter of fact, it would be fascinating for you to see and I could probably highlight it for you. How many times in this book, as Mordecai has mentioned, that God says he was the guy that took Esther as his own daughter. There are several instances of that. Mordecai. Mordecai's the kind of guy when he's standing at the gate, even an enemy king like Ahasuerus, he's standing at the gate and hears of mischief being done against the king. He has the courage to do the right thing and speak up and speak against the folks who've plotted against his king. Mordecai is the kind of guy that when Esther needs to be encouraged to do the right thing, he sends word to her that it's her time, it's her chance to do the right thing and be bold and think not just of herself because who knows that for such a time as this, God has raised you up. I'm just saying, Mordecai is highlighted throughout the Scripture. as a man who's interested in other people. He's a man of greatness. And we come to our text, chapter number 10, the last verse of this book. There's five things that the Bible says here about Mordecai, and we want to pay attention to them and highlight them here quickly tonight. The greatness of Mordecai. Look at the first one, number one. Verse number three, the Bible says, For Mordecai the Jew was next unto king Ahasuerus. Now, this is an interesting thing to look at. Uh, Mordecai was next to King Ahasuerus. When I look at this and I consider the greatness of Mordecai, I'm reminded of a couple things with him being next to King Ahasuerus. You've got a man, Mordecai, who has a place of great authority and great opportunity. And we have record to know that God has, Mordecai is the kind of guy who's going to use his opportunity for the glory of God and for other people. He has opportunity. When I see him next to the king, he has opportunity. But also when I see him next to the king, we see a man who has the right idea about authority. Something interesting about Joseph. Joseph is a slave in Egypt. God blessed him. But it wasn't because Joseph spent all of his time. God didn't bless Joseph in the house of... I just forgot his uh, first master's name. Someone help me. Potiphar. In Potiphar's house, we don't have record that Joseph rose to power because Joseph hated Potiphar all the time. Joseph was always behind the scenes criticizing the authority. Joseph was always trying to get the upright. No. Joseph behaved himself wisely and submitted to the authority that God had put in his life and did a great thing. When Joseph was in prison, what happened to Joseph? How did Joseph rise in power? Because he beat down all the guards. And all the guards knew he could escape anytime he wanted to. And he was such a mean devil that nobody, everybody feared him. And so he rose. No. Joseph behaved himself wisely. And he responded to authority the right way. And because he responded to authority in the right way, God blessed him. And then when Joseph becomes second in command in Egypt under Potiphar, Joseph behaves himself wisely and God blesses him. Do you think Joseph was out trying to take the throne from Potiphar? No. He was, had the proper view of authority and he had the right attitude in the situation of life. How many of you are in a situation that's less than optimal? You been there? I'm in a, you're in a situation that's less than optimal. The boss is awful. The conditions are terrible. The circumstances are horrid. But you have to remember something. We as God's people, we are in the world. We're not of the world. We're not to be uh, sinning against God and his word. But we are to be the kind of people who have the right spirit about the authorities that come up in our lives. And when we respond to those authorities, right? God says, that's great. When we deal with things humbly and godly and patiently and gracefully, and hey, look, God says that's great. God says that's great. Why was it that God was able to use Mordecai in such a way because he had a rotten attitude and he thumbed his nose at authority all the time? No, because he was wise and he set himself up in such a way that he could help the king and help the Jews and help his people and help his seed. The right, authority, right idea about authority. Let me tell you something. If you complain about everybody that's above you all the time, your heart is not in tune with God. We've got to get to the place where we're just going to be okay and trust the Lord in the uncomfortable situations in life and with the authorities that are around and above and are near us. Greatness is this sense of Humility. That takes advantage of opportunity. But the sense of humility that says, you know what? I'm not the king. But where I am, with God's help, I want to be used for God's glory. You see, he was next to the king. Number two, look what the Bible says here in verse number three again. For Mordecai the Jew was next to the king, Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews. Great among the Jews. Now, the Bible just lets us know what the Jewish community thought of Mordecai. He was great among the Jews. Let me just show you here how God is using Mordecai. Mordecai had a great testimony and reputation among his community. Among his community. May the Lord help us as a church to have a great res- Reputation among our community. That doesn't mean we're compromising truth. That doesn't mean that we're lowering standards below the Bible. No, that means we need to be determined with God's help to have the kind of spirit that in our community, our community knows that that's a bunch of people who loves our community. Knows that they're welcome to be in our church. Knows that we're a place where they can find help. And Mordecai, you know what kind of guy he was? He was the kind of guy that his community knew, hey, listen, Oh, Mordecai, he's got our back. Oh, Mordecai, he he loves us. Oh, Mordecai, he's great. Let me tell you, if you think somehow that there's any spiritual power in making everybody you come in contact with mad or trying to declare dominance on everybody that comes around you, let me tell you something. You're no better than an old male dog that's running around marking his territory all the time. You're just making messes everywhere you go. Mordecai, not like that. He was great among the Jews. In his community, in his community, folks like, man, you can count on him. Now yeah, That's greatness. In God's eyes, that's greatness. The Bible says, thirdly, in verse number three, he was great among the Jews and accepted of the multitude of his brethren. We see the community and the Jews. But then we see the brethren. And we could. There was not a local church at this moment. But we can liken the brethren. These were people who believed like. And these were the people that were the closest to him. This was his, This was his family. This was his faith family. His brethren. The Bible says he was accepted. Of the multitude of the brethren. Look. He had a place of prominence. In the faith community, he had a place of prominence in his church. He esteemed others greater than himself. And God calls that greatness. He was accepted of his brethren. Look at the fourth thing. Look at what the scripture says. Seeking the wealth of his people. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of someone in authority who their burden is this. I'm going to seek the wealth of my people. I'm going to seek the wealth of my people. Let me tell you, what makes the greatest father a father who's interested in seeking the wealth of his children his wife? What makes the greatest mother a mother who's interested in seeking the wealth of of her children, her husband? What makes a great politician if there is such a thing? And there are. and There's a need for them. Somebody who is seeking the wealth of his people. What was Mordecai interested in? Was Mordecai interested in showing off the fact that he's wearing the king's ring and having people as he was paraded through town on the king's horse and the king's clothes, bowing at his feet? No, he'd been there and done that. Who cares? That doesn't benefit my people at all. A stroke on the ego of a humble man is... Not great. What did he do? He sought the wealth of his people. I want to encourage you to do something. We all have a tendency to seek our own wealth. Now look, I've got bills to pay every month. and have got to work and provide and take care of. There's no room for selfishness in God's house, among God's people. And great people aren't selfish people. I hate to tell them. Some of the wealthiest, most famous, most talented people that's ever walked on two legs, they're not great in God's eyes. I want them to be. They're not great in God's eyes. You know why? Because all they care about is themselves. But Mordecai, Mordecai had determined to live his life. And God says, let me tell you about my Mordecai. He's seeking the wealth of his people. Finally, number five, the Bible says, and speaking peace to all his seed. Now, I like the speaking peace. He's sitting there, look. I can just hear him. I can just hear him, Mordecai with family gathered around the children. Near. Mordecai says, Now listen. God's idea of greatness is not like old Haman you've heard the story about. God's idea of greatness is somebody who's determined with God's help to live, as, live peaceably with all men as much as possible, to point others to faith in God, to love others. And you could see Mordecai. Mordecai had the spirit about him that said, Hey, listen, children, seed. He was interested in the future. He's interested in the future of his nation, the future of his people. He's interested in children becoming men and women of greatness. That's the kind of guy Mordecai was. You know, I think about it in our lives. What makes a great coach? What makes a great coach? I'm thankful for great coaches, but what makes a great coach? Let me tell you what makes a great coach. A great coach is not determined by his win and loss record. A great coach is determined by his ability to teach young men or her ability to teach young ladies or their ability to teach their students what real greatness is. Let me tell you something. A great coach is interested in the righteousness and integrity of a team and of players, do you know what they get? In return, they'll end up with great results and the win and loss record will go in their favor more than not because God's ways work. That's a great coach. What's a great man? There's a man, I won't give too many details because some of you might know who he was. There's a man that I know and on numerous occasions, I've pointed him out to my children. He's not tall. He's not muscular. He's not rich. As a matter of fact, he works a normal job. He doesn't speak the plainest. Let me tell you something that man has a heart that big. And he loves God and he loves God's people. And he's determined to serve God the way that he can. There's not a lot of talent there. And on many occasions, just between me and my boys, I'll point him out and I'll say, Boys, right there, right there is what I want to be when I grow up that kind of man. There's no talent. There's no great skill. There's, there's no great ability, but there's a heart for God and other people that is second to nobody I know. I don't want to be that man because the truth is you can get up in front of people and sing a song and say words right and string sentences together and who cares because God's idea of greatness is not talent. God's idea of greatness goes far deeper than that. He's interested in people who are interested in other people and being used for eternity in the lives of others. You see, that's greatness. Look, don't fall into the trap of Haman. Don't fall in the trap of Hasueris. If you want a role model, look to a great man like Mordecai, who's always interested in other people. It was all about others. And I'll tell you something, God used him. We can't even know. We won't even know. We haven't seen the chronicles of the Medes and Persians. But I can guarantee you written in there, God makes it clear and lets us know that there was a man God used in a big way. A man who cared about others. The greatness of Mordecai. May God help us to yearn in our hearts to be Men and women of greatness. Let me tell you something. It's not going to put you on a pedestal. It'll put you on your knees. It's not going to put you on a pedestal. It's going to put you serving. And boy, it's great. Our goal should be greatness in God's eyes. The results of being obedient to the Lord is fantastic. But uh, Mordecai, he was a great guy. And uh, we need more like him. Let's determine with God's help to be great like Mordecai. Let's pray.